This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I'm Pastor Abel. Uh, Pastor Kathy asked me to come back again today. Thank you so much. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Last week I had uh, fireworks and everything for you. Today I'm just, it's just me and the Holy Spirit and His Word. And um, I came here like you expecting, but also I, didn't, I came in not wanting to know. Like, sometimes it's easy to show up. Like, I know what a Wednesday night looks like. You know, I, I, I know what, a, what church should look like. And uh, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. If you read this Bible, like, I can, right? All you have to do is just start reading a little bit in the beginning. You're like, I have no idea what you're doing here. Like, this makes no sense to me. And we serve an amazing God. So, yeah, Holy Spirit. How many of you were here last week? Just so I know. I'm just curious. Yeah. Oh, cool. So I have a partly fresh crowd. Um, thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, gosh. I just love the Word of God. Yeah, the Lord Jesus rebuke you, devil. Um, I'm learning to, when I feel discomfort, do the opposite. Engage. If you're feeling discouraged, it means you're on to something with God. And the enemy will always try to intimidate you from pressing in. He doesn't want you to experience the fullness of God. So he wants to keep you in that comfort place. We live in an atmosphere that is very discomforting. It's very, it's not encouraging. Just drive on 66. You don't have to go, you know, how many of us drive on 66 and go, oh my God, I feel so encouraged today. <laughs> I mean, so I'm learning more and more to really embrace the discouragement because it means I'm in a new level of being fathered by him and a new level of trusting him to let him do something instead of me trying to work something up. And this evening, I want to hit a foundation that the world has really perverted and um, I want to do this first. Can everyone just just move into these sections and just come up just a little bit? There's something he has to do as a family. This is what he wants to do. So please just come up. Just come up. I know it's it's uncomfortable, but please come up. Uh, there, there's something that he wants to do as a family. So please come up. I know, I know, I know, I know. But there's something specific. So please come up because I really want to speak to you and engage you because there's an, an encounter that's going to happen tonight. Uh, you, you can't leave the same. Yeah. Just want to see you guys in the eye. And uh, it is my greatest joy to inflict pain on the enemy. That is my, my greatest joy. It's my greatest joy is to exhaust the enemy. And the best way to exhaust him, I'm learning, is to embrace weakness and to really lean into the discouragement area. If you're feeling discouraged in the area, I'm going to say it again. You're probably onto something. You're onto something. Like, you're, you're never ever going to hear go, God, like, oh, you feel too good today. I need to lower you a little bit. Like, that's not a good father. Like, I would never do that to my child. You're being too happy. Tone it down. Let, let, let's, you know, and, and so I, I want to hit a foundation that, that we should never leave. Now, last week I talked about how Paul 
was a man who had blood on his hand. He had such, he, he murdered people and he had such a transformation. And how he did it, how he, he got to a place where he was reigning in life and really exploring areas of God. Remember, he, he didn't have this. You and I have this. He did not have this. So, so his foundation was, who is Jesus and what did he accomplish for me? Every step was, who is Jesus and what did he do for me? That's grace, getting what you don't deserve. It's resting in something that's already there. So every step was, okay, the answer is already here. So what is it? It wasn't like he, he, he didn't have Ephesians because he wrote it. Remember, he didn't have this. He, he actually had to like go out and try this. He had to trust God and go, okay, Jesus, when you said it is finished, what did you do? And I'm going to explore it. And how he did that. And, um, just to recap last week, second Corinthians 12, nine, Paul talks about his weakness. We all have weaknesses. Yes. If you don't, it means you're boring God. You have to love weakness. You have to embrace weakness. This is what made Paul, Paul, because you read in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he loved his weakness because in the place of weakness, God got to father him the most. And he says this, right? He, he In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he pleads with God three times, which we've all done where we go, help, help, help. If you could just take this one thing away, if this is one thing would go away, I'm going to be okay. And I love it because Jesus answered him and he said, Paul, my grace or my gift of who I am and what I've done for you is more than you'll ever need. And then he said, my strength or my power, my dunamis, my supernatural power is most tangible and expressed in your weakness. So if you want to experience a supernatural God, you can't ignore weakness. You should actually be addicted to it. So Paul found this place of, of, instead of crying for help, he realized, he had to stop and go, okay, I ha- maybe I have something that I don't know about. Because that's what Jesus said. Jesus was saying, what I've done for you is more than enough. And I love the message translation because he says, I let my weakness happen. One translation says, I took it to a place of celebration. But my favorite of the message where he says, I had to appreciate the gift. And the word appreciate means I had to recognize the full value of what I already have. Each one of you is on a journey of, of growing with the value of what he's already done for you. You're not trying to enter it or get more. You already have it. You're just not recognizing it. So Paul was going, huh? So before Paul was going, God, I need more blessing. And then he went, oh, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I should probably write that down. And we have Ephesians 1. (laughs) We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Why? Because what Jesus did on the cross is he wrapped himself around us. Now, there's this big truth. And what, what Paul, what I love about Paul, and in Ephesians 2 and 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he talks about Jesus being this. That if I were going to build a building, he calls Jesus our foundation or our chief cornerstone. He's our chief cornerstone. And the only way to really understand or really embrace if he really is your cornerstone, go through weakness, go through pressure, go through fire. And that's why, well, this is what, this is what COVID has done. We're seeing if Jesus is really your foundation. How many of you, your finances were pressed? Did you step out? Did you step into worry or fear? means he's not your foundation. That when sickness was an option, did you, who was your foundation? And the foundation is this. This is, this is the foundation. This is Romans 3, 
This is verse 25. And this is something that we, we, give, lerp, we give lip service to so much because it's so perverted. So I'm just going to read it. This is Paul. And he's talking about Jesus' God-given destiny. You ready? This is the Passion Translation. Romans 3.25. Ooh, something smells good. Sorry. Jesus' God-given destiny was to be the sacrifice to take away sins. And now he is our mercy seat because of his death on the cross. We come to him for mercy, for God has made a provision for us to be forgiven by faith in the sacred blood of Jesus. You see that there, even saying it, it's like, yeah, that's good. I'm just going to read that last part again. We come to him for mercy, for God has made a provision for us to be forgiven by faith and the sacred blood of Jesus. I want to talk about this cornerstone that you are already on and what he screams at you and this above everything else. Yes, he screams he loves you, but how he does it is he says this. You've been forgiven. You have been completely forgiven from head to toe. That is the foundation of the gospel is that you start as you are forgiven past, present, future. In the Old Testament, the only way to get forgiveness was to earn it. Last week, I brought out the ladder. You had to work to get forgiveness. But what Jesus did was to take away your sins. And what does it say? He's made a provision us to be forgiven by faith in the sacred blood of Jesus. I want to talk about forgiveness because it should bring you to a place where you <laughs> should either bring you to your knees or bring you complete ecstasy. I'll just say it like that. It really should. But it's hard because this world has perverted it. Forgiveness means this, and, and I have to, thank you, Holy Spirit. So I have no notes. I'm just going with the flow. So you're going to have to bear with, bear with me for a second. So this is what forgiveness is. This is what he did on the cross. This is what, what Paul writes when he says, I dis, I value, I'm valuing what Jesus already did. And this one, he's like, oh man, this is a big one. I should probably write this down in Colossians. And he's writing this to the Colossians. But think about it. Remember, he, he didn't have this. You and I take this like, oh yeah, we're forgiven. No, he had to like, oh my God, I'm forgiven. I murdered people. Think, he murdered people. He was addicted to murdering people. The church has such a hard time getting over what they wish they didn't do. Jesus did something about that. The foundation of the cross is you are forgiven and it had nothing to do with what you could bring to the table. But everything, what he did to you on that cross, that it's by faith. And another word for faith is rest, saying he did it. Paul, Paul didn't, didn't, he didn't have this. He had to like be overwhelmed with the fact like, but I murdered people. You're forgiven. You're perfect. And I don't remember any of your past at all because that's what a good father does. A good father will never, ever bring up your past to teach you a lesson. I know that's so hard to hear. I know that's so hard to hear. And you can't debate me because I'm going to read this to you. This is Colossians 2, and I'm going to start in verse, this whole thing is good. Um, 
If you struggle with your past, read Colossians 2, read Romans 6, and read Galatians 2.24 until you pass out every day. I, I, no, these are scriptures that, that if you don't understand, you will, you, will, you will touch that ladder. You will try to work at something you already have, and then you'll sin by faith. Sorry. This is where I tell people, like, I'm working on it. I'm like, I'm going to go to Vegas and bet against you. Like, <laughs> like because it's by rest. Everyone say rest. rest. So I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to, even if you have to just sink in your seat, just go ahead and do it. So this is Colossians 2. I'm going to start in verse 13. So this is your old nature. This realm of death describes our former state. So before Jesus, we were held in sin's grasp. We were held in condemnation. That any time you sinned, you felt condemned. That, that everything was, it was a, the Old Testament was a ministry of what Paul calls condemnation. How many of you felt shame? I felt guilt before. That's, that's Old Testament. That's where you should never, ever, ever feel now. So if you are feeling it now, you're, you're not resting in what I'm about to read you. Guilt, shame, condemnation, he's dealt with it completely. And I'm so going to read it to you. This realm of death describes our former state, for we were held in sin's grasp. But now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. We are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. That's past, present, future. You are forever alive and forgiven of all your sins. Verse 14. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record. The old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. He erased it all. He erased it all. Our sins are stained soul. He deleted it all, in my favorite part, and they cannot be retrieved. He cannot bring it up to you again. He won't. He doesn't know how. It's not part of his nature because he's a really good father. So the enemy is always going to try to pervert who he is and what he does. It cannot be retrieved. And I'll end with this. Everything, you, 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 me, we once were in Adam, has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Paul didn't didn't have a Bible to read that and memorize. He just had to encounter it. We love reading without the encounter. Everything you once were has been dealt with, period. Period. We're learning to rest in it. We're learning to embrace it every day. And we do that by, I would say, how I'm doing it more. Every second is opportunity to ask, who are you and what did you accomplish here? Everything. If, if, if I'm driving, everything is, we call this what Paul would call prayer without ceasing. That is a constant communion of, you conquered this already, didn't you? That every conversation Paul was, was, you conquered this too, didn't you? And that, that is the Holy Spirit's job, is to really declare what's been freely given to us. Freely given to you. This is 1 Corinthians. Uh, Paul talks about the Holy Spirit. His job is to tell you what's already yours, what's already in possession, what's already surrounding you, what's already true, what's already, you're, you've, you've got it. Freely. Remember, the Bible says, freely given to you. That's called grace. That's called grace that you already have something that you don't know. So what happens is Paul's value keeps going up. Could you imagine writing this down for the first time and telling people? 
See, we, 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 we hear this a lot because we're churched. Paul, Paul wasn't churched. He was probably screaming at the people like, like, like you're perfect now. Like, like he couldn't stop. He was walking around all these places going, you're perfect. You're perfect. Your past is dealt with. You're flawless. You, you're flawless. You're, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. It wasn't like, yeah, he came to take away the sins of the world. This was overflowing. This was a reality. He didn't have someone go, let's meditate. I'm not knocking meditation, but I'm just saying this is a reality. Last week I talked about Colossians 3 where it says what? Set your mind on things above, or I called it, set your mind on heavenly realities. Realities that are true, whether you believe it or not, and they're for you right now. The heavenly reality is what I just read. You are perfect. Everything you once were in Adam is on that cross. And the biggest thing is you are forgiven. You're not working towards forgiveness. You start with there. You're forgiven. And I'm sorry to tell you this. It's not your fault. He, he's, he just did it. He just did it. The foundation is what screams louder than anything else is you're forgiven. Now take this world. It is so perverted. Turn on the news. What do we do? How, do we, how does the world dictate who's going to be in charge, who's going to do this? We rake up each other's past. My God has never done that to me. My God has never ever brought up my past. He dealt with my past. The enemy is called the accuser for a reason. To accuse you of something that's already been dealt with. You've been freed. And the way you receive free is, can you hear this today? You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're 100% forgiven. I mean, think about the world. We, we, how many of you have heard that? I, I, I forgive you, but I don't forget. That is perversion. That is 100% perversion that is demonic of the devil. That's the voice of the accuser. That is the voice that's trying to keep you from not living your life. How many of you have ever disqualified yourself because of something you've, you've done? Or you're like, oh, no, no, just, I'm just not there yet. Right? We, we've all have that. We don't understand the foundation of Jesus being the cornerstone, which he screams at you. You're standing on him going, you're forgiven! Now go! <laughs> Let's go! Paul just was on a mission everywhere. He just had to go. Forgiveness and rest brings a posture of all things are now possible. That nothing is holding you back. And you're completely free from having a guilty conscience. Yes, Holy Spirit. I want to read... um, We... we, We love King David, and, 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 and King David 
wish he had what we had. And it's in Psalm 51 where this is, um, this is David's confession. This is after he blew it with Bathsheba. This is where he blew it. He, he had an innocent man killed. He has blood on his hands because he wanted pleasure. I'm going to read David's cry. This is David's confession. This is Psalm 51, starting at verse 1. This is David before Jesus. God, give me mercy from your fountain of forgiveness. I know your abundant love is enough to wash away my guilt. Because your compassion is so great, take away this this shameful guilt of sin. Forgive the full extent of my rebellious ways and erase this deep stain on my conscience. For I am so ashamed. I feel such pain and anguish within me. I can't get away from the sinning of my sin against you, Lord. Everything I did, I did right in front of you and you saw it all against you. And you above all have I sinned. It's not on. You guys hear me? Okay. This is Paul's confession. Or, I'm sorry, Paul. This is David's confession. He's he's craving to be forgiven. There was only one man that could bring that to the table. His name was Jesus. Help me, Holy Ghost. (laughs) Yes, Holy Spirit. All right. Going to my new King James, that means you're in trouble. <laughs> um, this is, I want to go to Ephesians 2 um, because this is such a great confession of Paul in his journey. Because we need to understand this about sin and about really forgiveness. Because even some of us, I, I think we, 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 we don't understand God's nature. God's nature is perfect. It's flawless. His standard is not this world's standard. There's a reason we say holy, holy as in set apart. And he called you to be the same and he made you the same. Holy, holy, holy set apart. How many of you had a radical conversion when you met Jesus? Everybody raise your hand. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you. No, because we think like, man, so-and-so's got an awesome testimony. See, right? You you don't get it. You don't get it. The thing about God's standard is he's perfect. He's perfect. He's absolutely holy. He's perfection. And the Bible's very clear. To attain perfection, you have to be perfect. In fact, the Bible is very clear where Paul says, who, who was 
a PhD of the law, he says, if you transgressed one, you've transgressed them all. Think about that for a second. Because this world is, doesn't judge like that. <laughs> this is going to sound terrible, but it's, it's kind of true. Just <laughs> From God's perspective, every single one of you, how many of you sinned? Please raise your hand. Like, like before, right, right? So, okay. See, we think, oh, it's not that bad. From his perspective, each one of us is a lying, thieving, demonic, murdering rapist. That's what sin is. It wasn't, oh, it was partly bad. It wasn't like, you know, it's, it's, this is like, you know, it's, it's, it's a 95% holy and 5%, you know, dog diarrhea, you know. I know it sounds terrible. But that was his, that's his, I'm telling you, you have to hear this from his perspective. So when he forgave you, he made you perfect. But so many of us go, I, I, I didn't, oh, I wish, I love so-and-so's encounter. He used to be a drug. He used to be, so were you. So were you in his perspective. You transgress one, you've missed them all. So he had to do something supernatural, which was make you perfect. Perfect. That his blood had to wash you from head to dope because you needed it. He didn't go, for Dylan, I'll give him a little bit. He's not that bad. Monica, you know, you pray a little bit. Here's some. He, you are completely, you had to be completely forgiven. And so many of us are taught, if you would, does this make any sense? Because so many of us go, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my, I had an okay born again experience. No, you did not. No, you did not. You were absolutely, uh, this is what you were. So this is Ephesians 2. This is verse 11. This is us, our, us Gentiles. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcised, but what is called circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ. So without Christ, who were being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and the strangers from the covenants of the promise, having, here we go, no hope and without God in this world. Before Jesus, every single one of us was without God and with no hope. No hope. No hope. Pre-Jesus, no hope. Every single one is alienated in our mind and living with no hope. We're all on the same page. Go ahead and high-five someone. No, I'm just kidding. But verse 13. <laughs> but now, in Christ Jesus, you once who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law, right? That's the self-effort contained in the world ordinances. So as to create himself, what did he do? One new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who are near. You ones who were far off have been brought near by what? His blood. 
his blood, his sweat, his work. This whole thing is God chasing you down and murdering the old you completely because the old you was an orphan. And nothing breaks a father's heart than us living like an orphan. When we live like an orphan, we don't receive. Sons receive what? An inheritance, a gift, something that someone else worked for, the father. That's why when Jesus prayed, he said, everything that I have is yours. Everything is yours, John 17. Holy Spirit, I don't want to go there. This verse 10 through the, through the, the, yes, the, the, the end. <sighs> Paul's talking about Gentile and Jew. I'm just, I'm just really trying to obey the Holy Spirit. going to tell you what his blood did. What his blood achieved. Which is in that verse. What I read where it says the two become one. Because right now the enemy is really using perversion. And the biggest thing that he loves perverting right now, I mean there's so many things, but is race. Is race. That's, from God's perspective, there was Jew and Gentile. There were his chosen people and the world. But on his cross, he made us one. He made us one. He made us absolutely one. Holy Spirit, I'm going to argue with God real quick. Um, we know the scripture, Paul writes it. Our warfare is not against what? Flesh and blood, right? Against principalities, right? What else? Powers, right? Strongholds, right? The enemy cannot create, he can only pervert. And that's all he does. <laughs> no. Sorry. I just want to make sure this is right. You got it. Okay. Yeah, he said don't go there. Okay. Whew. 
That was good. That might be another day. I want to take you to my favorite psalm real quick. This is Psalm uh, 110. Man, this is awesome. Can I tell you, I'm like, I'm like sweating a little bit. In a good way. No, no, like this is like, oh, this is so good. So I, I want to jump back um, to really discouragement again. Uh, my wife and I have been living in, in the, the northern, I guess, Virginia area now. We were in Tennessee for a while. Or West Virginia, we were out there. And it's just interesting where we're living because every morning, I'm just curious, when you, you guys commute, how many of you, when you get on the freeway, do you feel discouraged for you, for you that get up early? I know for me, it's just interesting. I, there's like a discouragement in the air, at least in this certain area that I'm at. And it's just, it's been really interesting. And um, I, I want to read Psalm 110. <laughs> Yahweh said to my Lord, the Messiah, Sit with me as enthroned ruler while I subdue your every enemy. They will bow low before you, and I will make them a footstool for your feet. Messiah, I know God himself will establish your kingdom. I love the New King James Version there because it says, it would say, Abel, sit with me at my right hand, and I will make the enemy your footstool. This is the posture of warfare in the kingdom. This is the posture of embracing your weakness, of going after the dreams that God has placed inside you, to go after any area of your life that's been discouraged. And the question tonight is, can you sit in this place because you've been forgiven? And I dare you watch him rule and make the devil your footstool. Remember, our warfare against principality strongholds, and how he does that is you have to sit. So the enemy is going to do everything it can to discourage you, to dare you to sit down. He does not want you to sit. Now, this is not a place, this is not a place of passivity. Everyone look at me. This is not a place of Okay, God, God, go do it. This is actually a place of offense. The place of warfare is an, is an offensive thing. The, the true believer, Christianity, because we're forgiven, because we start in a place of Jesus conquered the world, we now start from a place of, we're called to be what? More than conquerors. Yes? And how we do that is every day we are learning to rest in the faithfulness of what he did. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we do that? I'll tell you. I'm going to talk to men real quick. How we do that is we don't hide our emotions. We don't hide our weaknesses. We don't hide our addictions. We don't hide anything that makes us weak. You actually have to bring it now to the table. See, the world's way is not the kingdom's way. The world's way is, let me show you what I'm really, 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 really good at. The kingdom way is, let me show you what I'm really, really bad at. What's really, really dirty. Let me show you what's really, really my weakness. Because that's where glory lives. Where this house is going, we have to come to a place where hopefully 
you're meeting each other. You're encouraging each other. You're making connection. Um, can I share the word that you said about the bridge? Um, something Pastor Kathy has, has really hit over the head with me, and she said it just struck me, which is this. Bridge or detour? Bridge, come together, or we go the long way around. We go the long way around. We go the long way around. Bridge, get vulnerable, or take the long way around. And I love how um, Nate said, he says this, where you want to go, each of you, where you want to go, where you you say you want to go, we have to go together. Because only in family are really weaknesses exposed. You cannot forsake the gathering of people. So I encourage you, men, hopefully you're meeting other men. Well, ladies, same thing. If you're trying to white knuckle this and do this Christian walk by yourself, you're done. You're absolutely done. There's a reason it's called the body because it works together. The world system is, like I said, let me show you what I'm really good at. Let me show you my PhD. Let me show you my resume. Let me show you where our thing is. Let me show you my weakness so that way there can be an exchange for his resume. And your weakness is really where his resume comes in. Does that make sense? Where where you're afraid, his resume takes over. He doesn't want to give you, he's not trying to lift you up. He's trying to give you his resume. (laughs) Does that make sense? I feel like that's the best picture. So think about going into a job. Think about your finances. Think about things that God has placed burning inside you. Are you leaning on your resume or are you leaning on his resume? But I'm going to say it again. The strength of that resume lives in your weakness. I'm calling out your weakness tonight, your addictions, your things that when people say you look down to the right at. I, my name's Abel. You can come meet me. There's pastors here. Where we're going, we all say this. Where's the power? I just told you, it's in your weakness. The reason you, you don't see a supernatural God is because he requires this thing called trust. And it's scary. It can be scary. It can be scary. But the beautiful thing is, you don't have to do it alone. And he called you not to do it alone. So one thing that I just started doing is I have three gentlemen that I'm connected with, and we don't share good news with each other. We share weaknesses. We share any time we feel discouraged, and we share any area of our life where we, here, here, here it is, where we hesitate, where we have a plan B. God doesn't have a plan B. He has a plan A, A, A. Now, to get you to the plan A, he's got, he's got his path. But it lives in your weakness. Can, in that in that deepest, whatever that weakness is, can you hear those words? You're forgiven. That's, if not, then that's why you need people around you. You need family. The, 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 this body is created for a reason. Is this making sense? Because we want glory. I, I, I want more glory. And what I'm saying is I want to be changed. How many people are like, God, change me! 
Okay. What are you giving him to work with? Something you're already good at? Where he gets no glory? He doesn't need you to stand on a, a, a stage one day and go, thanks for my Grammy. Glory to be, glory be to God. Like he does not get glory in that. He gets glory when you let him change you himself. He gets glory when something, someone looks at you and goes, you've changed. And you can just go, him. Or what Paul would say, he, he, he forgave me. He wrapped me in Christ. He made me holy. He, he did it. He accomplished it. I'm just going to read it. Ephesians 6, verse 12. Where you guys said it. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. Where are they? In the heavenly places. Jesus disarmed the enemy. He's still there. And I'm learning why he's still there. God gets great joy when we exhaust the hell out of him by being a son and a daughter. There's no greater joy than exhausting the hell out of him and making him pay. There's no greater joy, right? How many of you love those movies when the bad guy, when there's a quick death, but then you see those movies where he's tortured and you're just like, oh yeah, oh, so yeah, yeah, let's watch that again right? The enemy is overplaying his hand right now in your life. Think about areas that are being discouraged. What are you going to do with that? How are you going to make him pay? I'll say it again. If you're being discouraged, it means you're onto something. There's a truth there that he really doesn't want you to see. In the morning, I'm discouraged. Why? He calls me his happy warrior. Oh. Oh, I should probably be really happy right now. (laughs) I think I'm going to (laughs) be. Literally, that's what I've been doing in the morning, just like that. Because my warfare is not against flesh and blood. When I meet people, when I'm around people, my warfare is not against flesh and blood. I love teaching this to the kids because I love how the passion t- puts it. It's our warfare. Everyone look at me about this one. I dare you to read this one. Kids get it. We don't. Our warfare is not against human beings. Period. 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 Our warfare is never, ever, 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 ever against human beings. Say amen to me. Amen. Kids get that. Kids totally get that. They just get it. We were, we're kind of, we're learning that. We're getting there. Yes? Okay. I'm just waiting again. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Um, God wants me to speak to you about um, hesitation and the difference between what this 
looks like. There are great stories in the Bible of what this looks like and the joy of living like this. And you find it in Joshua and Caleb. Every morning, you're in a warfare whether you like it or not. You're in a warfare. If you're dealing, I mean, shame, guilt, worry, like, that's not God. You're in war. If you ever feel worry, if you're ever feeling these things, you're in a war. You're in a war. You're in a war. But what I love about Joshua and Caleb, and there's so many, I kind of hit this on last week, but what this, because I want to give you of what this looks like. Joshua, Caleb, and the people at that time were told, God said, this is your destiny. This is your destiny. I have made you for this. That's the promised land. It's got, it's first class. Everything in there is first class. And because you're my sons and daughters, that is yours. The spies, how many of we know the story? The spies go into the land. Ten of the spies see giants. They see, everyone look at me, the weakness, the discouragement. They're seeing the discouragement. They're seeing the, the but, the, the thing that's going to disqualify them. They're bigger than me. I'm, I, whatever it is. Joshua and Caleb are resting 100% on the fact that God said it's ours. So I just have to show up. Does this make sense? So the spies go back. Ten of them complain. Joshua and Caleb do the opposite. Let's not debate this, Moses. Let's go right now. Hesitation can sometimes be the first step to just being pounded. Has anyone ever experienced that? just being pounded. I encourage you, check those areas where you're feeling hesitation. Because Joshua and Caleb were like, let's go right now. All we have to do is show up. Um, I have to go. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Joshua and Caleb were coming to this warfare going, you got to mess with big guy. I'm just here to show up. That was 100% of their confidence was in who he was, who he is, and what he said. Had nothing to do with them. David, same thing. Did David said, I come to you against with my slingshot. No, I come to you in the name of the Lord. This, you think you're fighting me? No, 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 no. It's him. I love how Graham Cook talks about this. The biggest weapon that the enemy has and it's because it's cheap, is intimidation. That's all he can do. He can't force you into anything, but he can intimidate the hell out of you. That's all his job is, is to intimidate you, to get your eye on giant, 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 where because of the kingdom, we go, yeah, yay, giants, weakness, yay, because now he's going to do it. Sucks to be you. And now I'm going to show up sprinting, and I'm not going to hesitate. Does this make sense? I'm going to read Colossians. Uh, This is chapter one. Um, This is very big. I really feel like this is for for a lot of you. Um, I just got to find it. It's, I'm sorry. Uh, It's uh, chapter two, Colossians two, verse eight. This is huge um, for this house, especially because what we're, the way the bridging is going and where we're going together Pressure's coming. 
that's the joy of, of what we get to do. Instead of waiting for pressure, we should be leaning and looking for pressure. That's what a believer does. Jesus, we, we start with Jesus conquered. Let's go conquer some other stuff. Let's see what else is out there. It's, it's looking for the pressure. And I, and I love this. So this is Colossians 2 verse 8. Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from what? From Christ's fullness. The enemy is trying to intimidate you out of what he's accomplished. The fullness of it. Because forgiveness is not just one thing. It's an ocean of exploration that we're supposed to pioneer. What does it mean to be forgiven? What does it mean if someone that's forgiven goes around someone that has a demon inside them? That what if someone that knows that there's fully forgiven that goes into an atmosphere where there's witchcraft, where there's people that are suicidal? What is someone that, that, is, that is exploring this realm of, oh my gosh, there is joy because I'm forgiven. And then I'm, I'm, I'm in this arena now. Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you to lead you away from Christ's fullness. If you were here last week, I shared, I shared the message translation, which is when it comes to his fullness, you're already in. You're already in because of what he did. You're already in. You're not looking for it. You're already in. Um, And he says it again. Um, This is verse 18. Same chapter, verse 18. Don't let anyone disqualify you from your prize. Don't let their pretended sincerity fool you as they deliberately lead you into their initiation of angel worship. Anything that requires self-effort. Don't let anyone disqualify you by pretending to say, you need to, you need to work. You need to, you need to, don't let anyone disqualify you. Because I love what he says this. For those people take pleasure in pretending to be experts of something they know nothing about. And I love this part here. Their reasoning is meaningless and comes only from their own opinions. And verse 19, here's, here it is. They refuse to take hold of the true source. The true source is Jesus and Jesus crucified. That is the only source. Everything finds completion in Jesus. And this world is waiting for us. What are you doing with your weaknesses? Do you have people around you? Are you you praying for people? Are you meeting people afterwards? I encourage you, you... you, 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 I'm going to say it again. Where you want to go, where you say you want to go, you can't go alone. That's too easy. That's too easy. Does this make sense? Cool. Everything we once were in Adam, has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual power and authority to accuse you. You cannot be accused anymore no matter what. That is what his blood does. Amen?
I feel good. Anything else? All right. How's everyone doing? I, I encourage you. This is, this is Wednesday. Does, did your last Wednesday look the same? Do your Mondays look the same? That's on you. What are you doing? You have 24 hours in a day. What are you doing? Get offensive. I, 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 I pounded you with truth so you can't debate me. <laughs> that you're forgiven. You're holy. And if not, then do something. Get with people. Gather. There is a gathering happening of the body of Christ. You can feel what he's doing, that he's, he's weaving hearts together. We just had a, a men's meeting on Saturday. And all we did was talk about weaknesses, pretty much. People talked about what men don't talk about, emotions. <laughs> so I, I, just, I just really encourage you, look at your week. Everything I just read you. Like, what are we going to do? What, what it, ask Holy Spirit. Hey, this is how we'll end tonight. Because Rafa keeps saying this word, and he, I love the way he says it. And I feel like what he's like right now, the key word right now is strategy. You need strategy. Each one of you needs strategy. You need the what is the next step. You need his strategy. Because your strategy is not working, yes? It's just not working. It's not supposed to work either. <laughs> we get his strategy, though. And his strategy is, he told me to gather with a few of the men and say, <laughs> I'm just going to share what, 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 what God told Alex and I. Get in the van with Alex and get naked. <laughs> like, that was the picture. And what that means was, what it means is, <laughs> I, but what that means is, get with someone that God has shown you and Show them the areas you don't like. Because that's where he lives. Do you have those people in your life? You, you, can act, you can act like you're spiritual all you want. But you will display nothing. You will display nothing. And all the world sees is you have an imaginary friend. The world needs a supernatural, tangible God right now. The book of Acts was tangible. The things they did. And they didn't have this. They had to get real. They had a revelation and was like, let's just go do it. <laughs> Where we go, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, we, now that, let's process this. <laughs> you, fear, right? Fear. So just, just everyone just close your eyes for a second. I'm just, you're just going to ask Holy Spirit. Give me strategy. What's the first step?
Now, the, the last question is this. Holy Spirit? Say, Holy Spirit? Is there anyone you want me to be connected to? Don't argue with him here. Jesus, we just thank you so much for what you did on that cross. We hear your words tonight, Father, that we are forgiven, that the foundation is that we are completely forgiven and that our past has been completely dealt with. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this amazing journey of exploring the fullness that's already ours. The fullness that says all things are possible. We just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would just smack us upside our head anytime we want to hesitate. That we would move even quicker in those moments. That our rest would bring even more exhaustion to the enemy. We just thank you for what you did tonight. And we just thank you that your truth is exactly that. It's truth. (laughs) So tonight we take a hold of you. We rest in you because you are the true source. Not our strength, but yours. Every area of our life wrapped in your strength. For you alone are the rock. You alone are the foundation. You alone are the strength. So we just thank you for this amazing week. Yes, Lord. Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, I just, I just really, really encourage you. Be aware. You have, you have 24 hours in a day. Like, like, have fun. Make it fun. Like, be aware where, where you're being discouraged, where you're hesitating. Like, like, 
meet someone. Like I, I, what I'm doing with Alex and these guys, I've never had these, these past, I don't even, we just really started it, but like three weeks, I've never advanced on the enemy like I've done before. And now I'm having fun. Because I get to go, I'm discouraged here, I'm discouraged here. Because then I'm like, oh, so then the opposite is true. Oh, I'm going for it. And there I've been experiencing just, oh my gosh, just fun. I don't know if that's the word, but just, to me, there's nothing more than the enemy like poking at me and going, still here, still here, so still here. And then him going, oh, okay. Nothing makes me happier. Because 100% of our confidence, 100% of our should be in him, not you. Not your effort, not your sweat. Your job is show up. What have you not been showing up to? What have you been procrastinating? What have you been laying aside? What have you been disqualifying? Some of you are waiting where he's given you the green light and you haven't even shown up. Your promised land is there and you just haven't even just attempted to go, I'm here because you're relying on your own strength, and you don't believe these words. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. I love you guys. Have a great night.